0: Today is Fan Mail Friday, and the biggest question of the day is, have the Chargers done enough this offseason to be considered the best team in the NFL? You are Locked On
1: Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined, as always, by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, And we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons. We're headed into our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also find the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But it is Fan Mail Friday and the biggest question of the day is how do the Chargers feel about having the best roster in the NFL, 1 through 22? So we're going to talk about that, and if we're ready to crown the Chargers as the best team in the NFL, and maybe why they wouldn't be considered that at this point, having not seen them on the field yet. But we also have some other big questions to get to, like who will have a bigger season between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen this year, because it was pretty close, and who would you trust? with the game on the line to make the game-winning catch. We also have a bunch of other great questions about who the right tackle was going to be, so we'll make some predictions on that. And also maybe a move we didn't like that the Chargers made during this offseason. But, David, it starts here on Twitter Tuesday, or on a Twitter fan mail Friday question. We have some voicemails to get into today as well, and you guys can find us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. And we put out you know a couple of posts for questions, and it's always tougher this time of the year. We got a bunch of great questions, and... We had a little bit of a jest question I believe from Alex Clancy at Clancy's Corner on Twitter who is the host of the Locked On Arizona Cardinals podcast and the Chargers have the Cardinals on their schedule this year and what he said is what it feel like to have the best flipping 1 through 22 starter lineup in the league. So I think there is a little bit of jealousy there. I think there's also, you know, a little bit of joking around there because obviously we've been very high on what this team has done. But really haven't crowned them, I think, as the best team. I think the coolest thing for the Chargers right now is they have a shot. So I think, David, when we're looking at this, it's just are the Chargers the best team in the NFL, right? I mean, depth aside, obviously, that's not talking about depth. It's just the starters he's bringing up. But I think that really at its core is what the question is. So my question to you is, are you ready to give the Chargers that crown because of the big time offseason moves to make them or at least consider them the best team in the NFL?
1: I mean I think you look at the moves that the Chargers have made and you and you're like, "Man, there's not a lot of holes that I see on this roster right now." And you're like, "Man, it's kind of, kind of it's kind of, you know, hard to say that they No, I'm not going to sit here right now and say that the Chargers are the best team in the NFL because I haven't seen it yet. I mean, they've done a lot of great work on both sides of the ball. They've corrected a lot of supposed issues that we saw from last year's team that shouldn't be problems this year, but we haven't seen this team go out there and play football yet. So I don't think we can sit here and say that they're the best team in the NFL.
0: I mean, the best is a lot, right? Cause there's so yeah. many good teams out there. And I mean, the chargers have put themselves in the conversation, which is cool in its own part. Right. But I think, I think for the Chargers specifically, with what they've done in the past, right, and always being the sweetheart dark horse team before the season starts and always predicted to make playoff runs and just flatly underperforming, right, or maybe being overestimated as well when you're looking at, you know, the teams that didn't end up making it. This season has a different feel to it, right? There's real talent that's been added, especially on the defensive side, and I think since we've been covering the team, this is the roster I have believed most in, right? And that's including the 12-4 and 4 2018 roster and in, in teams like that. I mean, the best team, that's the best team we've covered, at least officially, right? So yeah. I think when you're looking at this team, this team is better than that team was. And they have all of the big things that you want for the most part. But, I mean, first, I think you have to look at the teams who have done it, right? The Chiefs. You look at the Bills and that roster and adding Von yeah. Miller and what they already yeah. have going on there, right? Teams like the Rams who were Super Bowl champions. Are you ready to say they've leapfrogged the leapfrogged the Rams at this point? Or even a team like the Buccaneers, right, who's only yeah. a couple of seasons away from winning a Super Bowl and has Tom Brady coming back and has a ton of talent on their roster as well. But when you look at the Chargers, right, I mean, you have the elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's elite. Get over it, right? You have great players. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, one of the better wide receiver tandems in the NFL. These are just good starters that we know of. Austin Eckwer, Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, Gerald Everett. Those are all good to, you know, great in some cases, offensive starters. That's a really good offensive Corey Lensley in there too. Corey Lindsley as well. Yeah, I mean, Corey Lindsley, all pro Corey Lindsley for sure. And that's not including Josh Palmer and Zion Johnson and Isaiah Spiller. You look at the defensive side, guys we know that are good or have played really well at some point. Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Kyle Van Noy has played really well, Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel Jr. We've seen all those guys play at a high level. And that's not including Azir Adderley, Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, Michael Davis, Drew Tranquil. So they have a lot of pieces, David. So I think the cool thing is just like, they have the roster to do it. I'm not ready to hand them the crown yet, but this is the best chance that they've had. And like this feels like an actual Super Bowl contending type of a roster.
1: It does. But I mean, the hype, the Chargers have been such the sexy team the, the last five or six years. I mean, the hype train has just been unbelievable behind this team. Yeah, it's proven it it mode, I, I
0: think, it. for every Chargers fan, right? Like, yeah.
1: And I get it. I understand it. I mean, the Chargers have had some really, really good top end talent that might kind of disguise you from some of the obvious holes that were also present as well. When you look at this year's roster, I mean, there are very, very few holes. There's only one, maybe two positions where you can look at and say, yeah, that's definitely an obvious problem that the chargers need to fix, but
0: right. Tackle linebacker up there. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. But to be, even be able to just say that at this point in time should give you a lot of really good feelings about what this Chargers team is capable of, not only with the top-end talent, but the depth now. And I think that's the biggest difference between teams in the past and this year's team now. I think when you look at this roster now, you feel like there is clear depth at almost every single position group on the football team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what Tom Tawesco and Brandon Staley have put together and the transformation that's been made over the last two seasons is Nothing short of miraculous from where this team was when Anthony Lynn left and where this team is now going into Brandon Staley's second season on paper because all Chargers fans are in proven mode at this point. No one wants to fully, you know, invest their heart and soul into this team until they see him out there. And that's very, very fair, especially with what the Chargers history is and being underwhelming at times and, you know, having bad playoff performances and, you know, so on and so forth. This is their best shot, though. But I think the other thing, David, the – key ingredient here that the Chargers are missing and another big reason why I'm hesitant to kind of give them that title special teams (laughs) right the always forgotten part of the game that always makes a big impact ask the Green Bay Packers last season who got bounced because of how bad their special teams were in the playoffs with a Super Bowl caliber team we don't know about this team special teams wise yet and it has a long ways to go if we're starting from the base of what we saw last season You get rid of Andre Reed, who is your, you know, Andre Reed, Andre Roberts, who was, you know, best returner and one of the probably the best returner in the NFL last season. Once he joined with the Chargers, you have Dustin Hopkins. so You're feeling better about that situation now, right? Missed a big one in the last game of the season, but overall 90% field goals. You're going to take that every day of the week, but the rest of the coverage units and things like that, JK Scott, the punter, there's a lot we don't know about this special teams, unit, David, and I think that's another reason why it's hard to give them this mantle.
1: Yeah, I think that's the unit, honestly, of around this football team that has the most uncertainty. I, it's I think the worst
0: like, unit as we see it now, for sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, just, I mean, just
1: for the, the, the biggest reason of the unknown, you just don't know what that unit is going to look like. You don't know who's going to comprise that unit. That's something that's always been a big problem, at least you know the last 10 years for the Chargers. You know, it seems like they've never had a very good special teams unit. And with the new special teams coordinator and a lot of new moving pieces they're going to have to try to figure out how you know they're going to go about attacking a unit that's been a huge problem. If they even get average special teams play, which is something we've said more than enough times the last several years, which sucks. But Sign on if the they,
0: dotted line, yeah. Yeah,
1: if they get average play out of their special teams unit with what we feel like they're going to be able to produce on offense and defense, please sign me up immediately.
0: Well, and then there was the 2010 team, the number one in offensive yard, number one in defensive yards allowed, doesn't make the playoffs because they have the worst special teams unit in the league. But this is not to be a downer on the Chargers, right? Like I said, this is the best team we've covered since we started six seasons ago. And I mean, there's more reason for excitement now than ever. But I'm sure as most Chargers fans would agree, go out there and do it, right? So we have to see it from this Chargers team before we fully, fully believe it, but they have a chance to absolutely be the best team in the league. We're just not ready to sell you on it yet. We do have more to get into, though, including a couple of great questions about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Who would you trust with the game on the line to make the catch to keep the game going or to win the game? We have that, and which of those guys is going to have the better season coming up after this? But when you're looking at this team, I mean, I think it's just too early to have such a great thing being able to say, yes, they're 100% the best team in the league. But a great addition to my everyday life, though, is AG1 from Athletic Greens. And one of the things that I wanted to see with Athletic Greens is how are so many people talking about this and I haven't tried it yet. right? I wanted to see what the hype was all about. And when I took it, I realized a lot of great things were happening for me. Basically, it's a powder that you're going to put in the water every day and you're going to get the ultimate nutritional insurance. You're not going to have to take a bunch of pills. You're going to have one-stop shop For everything that you need, you're going to get it done in 10 seconds. It tastes good, too. And you're going to be able to not have to worry about anything else. Because With Athletic Greens and their AG1 product, you're going to get something that's going to make you sleep better. For me, it gives me less brain fog, right? I can wake up, have my Athletic Greens, and I'm feeling alert. I'm feeling ready to go every day. No energy drinks, nothing like that. I get it all with Athletic Greens. And one of the things I love about Athletic Greens is when you're drinking Athletic Greens, you're getting something that's keto-friendly paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It basically fits on all diets, and it has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no nasty chemicals or artificial flavors. And a great thing about Athletic Greens is for every purchase, they, know they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S., and they're a climate-neutral certified company. But right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their vitamin D in five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, David, we have more to get into here on a good fan mail Friday, including a couple of great questions about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And I think one of the things that happened last year is Mike Williams took the step that you wanted him to. Right. But I think he got a lot closer to Keenan Allen with that step than a lot of people thought that he would when you're looking at how their seasons turned out. I mean. If you're looking at who's better, that's going to be tough because they did certain things better than each other, right? And that would be a hard conversation to have. But we have a couple of good questions here. The first one coming from Benji, who says, fourth down on the 10-yard line, no time left. Who are you trusting to catch the game-winning ball? Mike Williams or Keenan Allen? David, you can only pick one.
1: Man, that's such a hard question. I mean, it was a really, really good one just because, I mean, those two guys are fantastic. But... When the Chargers have needed a big play, when they've, when they've needed someone to step up, when they needed that one play to keep things going or, or to try to win a football game, they've used Keenan Allen to get them there, but they've used Mike Williams to convert those situations. So I think it's Mike Williams, to be quite honest.
0: See, I think there's a key part of this question, right, that you have to think about because it's not fourth down in just 10. It's fourth down on the 10-yard line. So I'm guessing you're needing a touchdown, right, at this yeah. point. No time left. Who are you trusting? Mike Williams has been the better touchdown scorer, but he's also had way more targets than Keenan Allen has in the red zone. When Keenan Allen's targeted in the red zone, he's very efficient. But there's also, you know, I mean, are we assuming both of them have single coverage, right? I mean, this is just me overthinking everything like I have to. But, like, if you're telling me it's single coverage and I know Keenan Allen just has to beat the one man in front of him and he's going to have space to work, I'm taking Keenan Allen, but with how things get bunched up in the red zone and near the goal line specifically, you're probably going to need someone to make a, a miraculous catch, right? And who did I see make a miraculous catch with the game on the line with no time left in week 18 of last season? It was Mike Williams on one of the most incredible plays that I've seen in a game to keep a season alive. Like that part is not talked about enough. That's what saved the charter season, albeit only for one, you know, quarter of overtime. But David, I think that... Even though Keenan Allen with the drops last year, I think that'll regress back to the mean. I don't think you're gonna see that outrageous number from him. With him, I, I think he's still the guy I want to go to in clutch moments. But if you're putting it like this in the end zone, fourth and ten, give me the guy that I just saw do it most recently in like the last play of regulation of the Chargers regular season. So I'm going with Mike Williams, but we have to back that up with a question from Kevin, aka the red dog eighty eight on Twitter, who asks Man, did you see how stoked Herbert was with the Mike Dub signing? Who do you think is going to have a bigger season, Mike Will or Keenan Allen? So this is a tough one, David, because I think it it has a lot to do with what you kind of consider, you know, a more successful season to be. Because if yeah. you look at last year, I mean, Mike Williams led the team in receiving yards, led the team in receiving touchdowns, averaged more yards per catch than Keenan Allen did, but also had 30 less catches, right? Keenan Allen's right behind, 1,138 yards, six touchdowns, so three less touchdowns and only averaged 10.7 yards per catch. He's aging. Mike Williams is coming off the best season of his career. David, this is a harder question than I thought it would be. I mean, I know who I'm going to pick, but who are you going to take?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this this question also is really, really difficult because, honestly, they're two different types of receivers to me. I mean, I mean they're, they're really, I mean, and what measures success for each of them, I, I truly think is different. I think Mike Williams is your big play guy. I mean, he's going to he's going to be the guy that averages 15 to 20 yards per catch. I mean, he has that potential. He's done that throughout his career and Keenan Allen is a first down and a reception machine. I mean, when you need a conversion, he's there. He's always been there and that's why his game is I think uh, a little bit more timeless because he's never been the most fast, you know, receiver in the league, sure. but he's always been extremely technically proficient with his routes and, and uses his get offs very, very well. And he's very crafty in that dimension. So, I think if we're just talking about overall stats here, it's probably going to be Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams is probably probably going to be in situations where he's going to be, um, you know, given those opportunities to get bigger plays, those bigger chunk, those thirty plus, forty plus yard plays i think mike williams is going to convert more of those i still think keenan now is going to have more catches i just think that that's what his game is but as far as sexy stats i think it's mike williams
0: so you think mike's gonna have the bigger season basically yeah, yeah i do I'm going to go with Keenan Allen, and it's specifically for this reason. It's consistency, because the dude shows up for every game. And as much Absolutely. as I love the season that Mike Williams had last year, there was still a stretch of three games where he had two catches or less, right? And, and yeah. just wasn't as impactful as you need him to be True. as a guy who's making $20-plus plus million per season. I think it's close, and obviously their games are so – polar opposite that it's hard to really judge them against each other and i mean there's a good argument that mike williams had the better season in 2021 but with keenan i think the drops are going to come back down to earth he's going to get in front of the jugs machine as he was telling others to do he's going to catch more of those passes, and i think he's going to end up having the better season because it's crazy to say this, he's been the healthier of the two of them, right? Most recently. He has missed a couple of games, but as far as being out there looking like he's 100%, he's been the healthier of the two of those guys. But one more question here before we wrap it up in the last segment. We have it from James, aka Big Jack 1967 on Twitter, who asks, with the way our team is constructed now, do we become more of a wide open offense or ball control? With our defense, we get a 10 to 14 point lead and we could just choke the game away like a boa constrictor. So, David, I mean, I think, I I don't know if the Chargers are just going to go to ball control offense, right? You have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, but I do definitely get the point of having the defense now that can go out there. If you do have that lead, which has been such a problematic spot for the Chargers, especially in recent years, to go out there and close things out, which I think is the more important part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at this Chargers offense, really, I think they're very versatile. I I think that they're not going to have the same game plan week in and week out. They're going to try to you know decimate their opponent in in whatever uh, fashion they see fit. If that's throwing it 40 times, then they can do that with Justin Herbert and the weapons that they have in the passing game. If that means that they need to run the football a little bit more, I think that's another reason why they bring in Isaiah Spiller to pair with Austin Eckler, who is a fantastic running back in his own right. Um, with those duties. Obviously, we know what he does as a pass catcher, but I think he's very underrated as an in-between-the-tackles runner as well. But I think to have a guy that can really compliment him will allow the Chargers to be able to do that. But yeah, the most important difference here is the, the Chargers defense and their ability to be able to stop the run and be able to also stop the pass. So it's really just, I mean, what which one of their you know supposed strengths are they going to try to use to be able to beat the Chargers? I think the Chargers are in a much better situation to be able to handle whatever approach is coming at them.
0: Absolutely, because you added closers, right? That's what you added. You added more guys who can end the game. And like I talked about yesterday, you know, when we had uh, Drake on the show from Lockdown Baylor is just like, you have guys now that can come in and end the game. And sometimes you're going to give up 30 points in a game. Ask the Buffalo Bills, right? That's what happened to them in the playoffs. (laughs) They got shredded after having the number one defense. Those games are going to happen, especially in the AFC West. Sometimes you just need a dude who's going to make that play at the end of the game. And now the Chargers have more of those guys. Last year, it was either going to be Derwin, it was going to be Joey, or it was going to be nobody. This year, you have more of those dudes who can go out there and end the game on your terms. And as far as what the offense is going to look like, the nice thing is you can do both. You can yeah, potentially exactly. beat that physical running team if you have to based on matchups like David was saying. Or you can air it out when you need to. But I do think there's one thing that I've learned from Brandon Staley through one year is like he doesn't strike me as the type that's going to go ball control and try to salt the game out. He seems yeah. like the type of coach who's going to put the foot on the throat of the opponent and just absolutely go for the kill shot, which is something that I very much appreciate. So they can do much more offensively. They're a much more balanced team offensively. And that's going to help Justin Herbert as well and not have to feel like he has to be Superman on a weekend and week-out basis. But we do have more great questions on this fan mail Friday, including what the situation is going to be, who we think is going to win the job at right tackle, what happened with Kazir White to have him go and bring in Troy Reader, and also a move maybe we wish the Chargers didn't make this offseason coming up right after this. All right, David. Well, you know what it is. It's the last segment, which means on a fan mail Friday, we're going to try to jam-pack as many questions as we possibly can into this Let's segment and do a little bit of a rapid round in this one. And we're going to start with one of the OG callers into the show with a voicemail here from Barnaby from the 805. Hello, It's
1: Barnaby from the 805. I'm really fired up. I think this is our year. I say that every year, but Tom Telesco did a great job. There's two things that are really nagging at me. One is What do you think will happen at right tackle? And then two is, what is the deal with Kaiser White? I really appreciated having him on our defense. He was the most dependable person we had. And what really baffles me is the Chargers didn't sign him, and only he got, I think, a one-year deal with the Eagles. Is there something about Kaiser that we don't know? Maybe some off-field personality problem um, or some kind of injury? I don't know. In my opinion, he deserved a lot more than what he got. Uh, if it wasn't from us, somebody else should have given him a long-term contract because he's the real he was the real deal,
0: man, and I will miss him.
1: All right, guys, keep up the good work. It's going to be a fun year.
0: Balls up. Well, Barnaby, first, I mean, the things about the things you don't know is you don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> number one. But, no, I think as far as the right tackle situation, starting here real quick, rapid fire, David, I mean, for me, it seems like Brandon Steele is going to let Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton duke it out. And to me, I just think from what I saw most recently last season, that job is going to be won by Trey Pipkins.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think there's really any reason to have a extensive conversation about it. I think at this point, it's Trey Pipkins. And if it's not Trey Pipkins, then it's Matt Filer.
0: Ooh, so Storm Norton, you don't see a possibility where it's him. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean. Unfortunately, I do, but I wish I felt like you did. <laughs> I mean, if Storm Norton wins it, I mean, who knows, right? Like, if he beats Andre Pimpkins and they hey, think sh- he's show ready to me. Go, but I mean,
1: everyone can improve, everyone can get better. Do it against so-
0: Joey Bosa, do it against Khalil Mack. Come yep. talk to me. Yep. Uh, Rashawn Slater did it I'll never forget Joey Bosa on him not first training camp but getting into the Kazir White part of it like I'm definitely not going to go out there and say you know hey there's maybe some character concerns right or maybe he was late to meetings or anything like that that's irresponsible and it's just we haven't heard anything like that nothing like no. that ever came out about Kazir White and then you look at the contract situation because I think the thing that hurts right is because they went inside Troy Reader and they let Kazir White go and I think that's part of what gets fans hung up and I'm right there with you because I was a Advocate of bringing back Azir White. When I saw the price tag, it drove me crazy. So, Azir White, one year, $3 million. Troy Reader, one year, $1.075 million. The Eagles, you know, spread it out over a few seasons, at least as guaranteed money. And I think they have it up to four or five million with incentives. But it didn't seem like it was a contract related issue, David. I mean, I I wish we knew more about what ended up happening there, but there's no great reason that we can, I mean, at least find from here.
1: Yeah, I really have no idea. I mean, I, I, like you, uh, Daniel, did not understand the move. I felt like this was a guy that was progressively getting better year over year over year, and it really felt like last year he had took all of what he had learned and put it all together and and really put together a very, very good season and was clearly one of the Chargers' best defenders last year. So uh, I don't understand why they let him walk. I mean, there's got to be something out there that we are not privy to. Uh, I mean, and hey – Maybe it's just not the type of player that you know Brandon Staley was looking for in his defense, and it could be as simple as that. We just don't know. But from our perspective, I, you know, it was a move that didn't really make a lot of sense to me.
0: I mean, I think the optics of it are what are confusing because the optics almost tell you, like, okay, like basically the only thing that kept him from coming back is the Chargers weren't willing to give him that, and maybe weren't willing to give him the starting position, back, Right? A chance. Yeah to go out there and start clearing the runway for someone like Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. Right now, obviously, you have Troy Reeder, Calvin Noy will play a little bit as well, but he was easily their best linebacker. It was weird towards the end of the season when they were taking him off of the field. That probably wasn't a good sign for what his, yeah. you know, contract was going to be with the Chargers going forward. But yeah, I mean, I, we are both in favor of bringing back Azir White. So let's get to the next Twitter question. You're getting into rapid fire going, hopefully a little quicker than that one. Chris Saez asked, which part of the defense will have a higher turnover number, the secondary or the defensive line. This one may seem easy, but I think it's actually pretty tough because if you look back to last year, totally different defense, obviously. But the Chargers forced 19 fumbles last year, which is a ridiculous number. They recovered 10 of them. They also had 11 interceptions. So in this question, I mean, last year, the interceptions edged out the fumble recoveries, the turnovers because of the defensive line and those fumbles, right? And not all of those were defensive lines that forced the fumbles, I should say as well. But it is, I think, closer than you would think. David, where are you going with this one?
1: It is closer than you would think because you're adding guys to each unit that have been able to turn the football, uh, right. turn the football over. You got Khalil Mack, who is you know also very very good at the strip fumble, which Jay Bosa is as well. But then of course you add J.C. Jackson to the secondary, who brings his seventeen.
0: Literally named Mister and in the last yeah.
1: two seasons, yeah, literally called Mister Int. And I think just honestly, that improved pass rush is going to be the reason why this secondary is the unit that is going to have more turnovers this season. So I, I think it's going to be the secondary.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you also, I mean, if you factor in right, like the Tavon Campbell force fumble, uh, you know, and I think Kimon Hall forced a fumble against Tyreek yeah. Hill at one point, too. Like, so like the secondary can force fumbles as well, and that's gonna sure. obviously add on to him. If it was just forced fumbles right against interceptions, it would be a tougher one. I think it's gonna be interceptions as well because I also think there were A lot of interceptions left on the table last year, right? Nazir Adderley owes a couple. Derwin James owes a couple. JC Jackson is in the backfield now. And you have, you know, someone even like a JT Woods, right? Who just came up leading the Big 12 in interceptions last season and can make plays on the back end. So I think it is the secondary, and I think it's going to be helped out by those pass rushers. But yes, I mean, Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack both had their best seasons ever stripping quarterbacks under the same coach. And it was Brandon Staley. So I'm excited to see that. And I think hopefully there's a little bit more opportunistic when the ball gets on the ground because you don't want to see that Drew Lock Please. damn situation <laughs> again of him fumbling for a first down. Never And again. having that get recovered. But let's get to the next one here, David. From Dylan Kirkpatrick, thank you for all the questions. Dylan. You're always there supporting us on Fan Mail Friday. Yes, now that the draft and majority of free agency is behind us, what is something you wish the Chargers didn't do? And I've liked a lot of the Chargers moves, David. This is a toughie.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, I I think this is more about you know what a move that they didn't make. I mean, what what they didn't do? I just they, they didn't bring in a veteran right tackle. I mean, they, that's one of the moves that they did. Well, what do
0: you wish they didn't do? But yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I liked all of this that they made. I, I think I there's it's kind of hard to to really look at this off season and and be angry or be upset with any of the moves that they went out there and made. It's really more about what they didn't do um as opposed to what they did I mean I like a lot of what they did so for me I'm interpreting that as what they didn't do and that's you know not adding at least a veteran presence at the right tackle position
0: it is tough because there's no one move I point to and I'm like yeah they should not have done that right I mean I think you can go into the draft and there's guys you wish they would have taken at certain spots that they didn't yeah. take and that, I think you could point to some of that but you don't know how those players are going to work out if you had if you had a gun to my head kind of a situation, I'd say signing Troy Reader and letting go of Kazir White, right? So I guess yeah. that would be a wish they didn't sign Troy Reader and I wish they did bring back Kazir White because I think he deserved it. And going back to the voicemail, I mean he did deserve to get more from another team. That linebacker oh, yeah. market was just brutal this year. He should have gotten much more. And hopefully he has that chance in Philadelphia. But we need to keep it going here, David. So we have Scobold who asks, how much would a Tillery and Michael Davis cut free up the team for a reworked? derwin james deal well i'll finish this one real quick tillery wouldn't affect it at all because now that his fifth year option hasn't been picked up you don't need to worry about that after this season after this season he's an unrestricted free agency unrestricted free agent the michael davis move though would help them i mean it would help yeah. them resign but the thing is is they don't need to cut michael davis to resign derwin james they can work it out around that they don't necessarily have to do that but if he doesn't play well and they you know needing more space next season because the derwin deal which i'm still thinking is going to get done does happen he would be one of the top candidates with you know how little dead cap space he would cause for them and also you know just what the chargers have at that position now i think is the biggest thing and having the deal for jc jackson guys like that and a 9.4 million dollar cap it is a lot for a corner especially you know if he's not the starter by the end of the year per se right something along those lines happens let's get to the last question here though david from mike newbizer hope I said that right. Do you think that our boy Alexander Horvath will make the final 53-man roster? How do you see him affecting the offensive makeup? Will he be a fullback or a tight end and a running back and an H-back? David, do you think he's making it? He was the last pick, borderline Mr. Irrelevant in the draft class, but he's also a freak of nature.
1: He, he is a freak of nature, and he is going to be one of those guys that I think people are going to start rooting for and are really going to kind of fall in love with throughout training camp and as they watch preseason He's games. He's jacked. Yes, he is. <laughs> but I, I just think the way this roster is constructed and, and how they're going to have to keep probably more people at different say. positions, I think it's going to be exceedingly <laughs> difficult for him to make this
0: roster. Wow it is really tough I mean I I wish I could say I thought he was gonna for sure make the roster and it's way too soon to tell him well no more it is but you see where you'd fit in because he would take the Gabe neighbors role a guy guy that you've already been taking you know has been taking up a space on the roster for the last couple of seasons and I think you'd see him be using that Gabe Neighbors slash kind of Steven Anderson role that they've been rolling out there the last couple of seasons where he may be a Kyle Juszczyk type of a player where you are having him at H-back you can use him in the receiving game. You can use him as a runner if you want to. He, he does a lot of things well, and I don't think it would necessarily like affect the offensive makeup of the roster if you're just kind of doing that swap. It might mean one less running back. It might mean one less tight end. But I can tell you one thing. It's definitely going to be a guy, especially as the last pick in the seventh round for the Chargers, that we'll be pulling for because, I mean, if you can find a way to use that dude, he has some serious tools to bring in to the <laughs> – to the table as the most athletic fullback that's ever entered the league because he ever. had a better RAS <laughs> score than Derrick Henry. So let's <laughs> let's see what happens with Alexander Horvath. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun watching that freak show. he's and got how a they pro body. He's got a pro body, <laughs> and we're just going to figure it out, as Brandon Daily said. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you to everyone who contributed on this Fan Mail Friday, and to make sure you guys don't miss the next one, subscribe to the Lockdown Charges YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from you can also call into the show at 323-524-7924 if you want to get your voicemail on the show and you can find us for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you never miss the show and we also post it to all of our social media just like we post on twitter at lockdown lac you can also find it on our lockdown chargers facebook page and our at lockdown chargers instagram page as well thank you everyone again who contributed today we will back with you guys on monday as always But that's going to do it for us today. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrewTalkSD. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. Until then, take it easy and go bolts.